from Psalm 16, from the first chapter of 1 Peter, and from Romans chapter 8. From Psalm 16. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord, I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. And from First Peter... Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And from Romans 8. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? God, we're so grateful to be here. You've done a lot already, and we give you thanks, moving us through songs and through testimonies and through the people next to us. We know we're gathered here not by accident. You're the living God. Each of us need you. Would you work now through your living word in Christ's name? Amen. Well, on August 16th, the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin, died, ended her struggle with cancer, and... uh, She left this amazing legacy to us of music, of soul, and of songs. Uh, One thing that she didn't leave, though, was a will. Didn't leave a will, which has raised questions uh, about her estate. Significant questions. Questions like, who will manage her royalties? What about requests for movies, for books? for documentaries, even for her hologram on stage. How about estate taxes? And really, the most pressing questions are for her four sons who have to work through these things. The fact there wasn't a will makes the estate a bit more insecure and vulnerable. What about our spiritual inheritance? What about that? Now, we started this series last week on the promises of God. And we talked about the foundation, and I introduced a word uh, many of you are familiar with, but the word covenant. It means official promise. And if you go to the book of Hebrews, you find that that word covenant is translated will. So there's a relationship between this idea of God's official promise and a will. And, of course, that leads to the idea of an inheritance. Now, I think there are many people that profess to be Christians, and even those that are not, 
that wonder about their spiritual inheritance. Maybe it's as basic as questions like, uh, what will happen to me when I die? What will the afterlife be like? Will God receive me? How will God receive me? All these questions are related to the question of a spiritual inheritance. And while we might feel vulnerable and insecure about it, God has gone to great lengths in his word that we not be. That we would be confident about the inheritance that he has given. How it can be made secure and that we know what it is. And so as we consider the promises of God, that's where I want us to focus today on those two things. First of all, how is the inheritance made secure? Now, in this world, generational wealth or inheritances are vulnerable. Sometimes, right? The will isn't clear enough. People miss out on things. People spend the money away. Or maybe injustice has affected it. Forbes magazine uh, did a a comparison between generational wealth uh, of peoples of color and basically said, uh, compared white generational wealth with the generational wealth of everybody that is not white, in particular focus on African Americans. And they focused in on just one area, home ownership. If you just look at that one generator of wealth, And think about historically the things that have made that uh, not available to people of color. Uh, Slavery, of course, the Jim Crow laws, the Homestead Act, the Chinese Exclusion Act. All these things made it so that people of color could not obtain homes. In fact, between 1934 and 1962, 98% of the home loans in this country went to white people. 98%. And we know with homes, other benefits come. Neighbor businesses are attracted to neighborhoods. Property values go up. Opens the door to send your kid to college, so on and so forth. And it's not as if, uh, the thing about generational wealth and inheritance, it's not just a past thing because there's lingering effects. The Economic Policy of Institute did a study and said that the typical black family at the graduate and professional level lags behind the white family in that same place about $200,000. In this world, generational wealth and inheritance is very vulnerable. It's subject to injustice. It's subject to all sorts of things. But I thank God that his inheritance to us is not like that. As much as we must work for justice... As he would have us work in this life, we also must cling to the idea that the inheritance that he gives is not vulnerable to trial and trouble. Peter says it. He says it's an imperishable inheritance. It's an inheritance that won't perish, spoil, or fade. Jesus Christ said it's treasure in heaven that won't rust and moth won't destroy it. It's also not subjective upon ethnicity or socioeconomic class. It's for all who would heed the invitation to come to God by free grace. This inheritance is made available to them. You know, maybe you've read about someone with a big fortune dying and you secretly thought, 
I wish I could have been in that family, right? I wish I could have been one of the people that was in that room and received some of that. Well, someone that understands their eternal inheritance understands that's really peanuts compared to what God has intended for his children, what he has put in his word. And not only that, the way he regards us. Listen to some of the words that God uses about his children. They are his own possession, his portion, his heritage, his treasured ones, the apple of his eye, beloved ones, engraved on the palms of his hands. They are chosen, holy, and dearly loved. In the book of Romans, say they are co-heirs with Christ, meaning Jesus Christ, the King Messiah, is the capital H heir. But every believer in him is also an heir of the same fortune, a co-heir with Christ. Absolutely nothing stands in between the believer in Christ and their inheritance. Nothing can stand in between it. Nothing can impede it, as the scripture tells us. Because Christ is the Lord treasurer. And believers are united to him. But it's not only that. On top of that, we can add the fact that God guarantees it. So he's just laying, you know, God is just laying assurance upon assurance upon assurance. The things we've only heard, but he then guarantees it. You know, it's natural when you and I look out into the world, and maybe you look out and you see folks that, you know, not only just dismiss God, but maybe mock God and reject God, and you think, they seem to be doing really well. You know, they seem to be prospering. This is like the person from Psalm 73. I don't understand this. What good is it? God knows that we leak assurance. We leak assurance about the heritage that he's given. So what he does, he sends his Holy Spirit. Listen to this verse. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Now, you know, a lot of times Christians have lots of discussions about the things that the Holy Spirit can do, a wide range, but many times we miss, uh, quote-unquote, the boring things that mean the most. And the fact that he seals, he seals up that lack of assurance with his promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. So the Spirit of God not only seals us up, but he is a deposit. If the Holy Spirit lives in you, he's not just power, he's not just present, but he is an intentional deposit in you that you will get an inheritance. And then what he does is he testifies, his job is to testify over and over, you are a child and the inheritance is yours. You are a child and the inheritance is yours. That's what he's saying over and over and over again to all those that believe. This past week, the Agency for Retirement Benefits and Insurance of this denomination came up and spent time with our staff. And they were just so wonderful, so helpful. And, uh, you know, didn't cost any money. They came up and they did a couple seminars. And then they also met with each of us individually. And in my appointment, we were going through the, you know, the numbers and the paperwork. And they said, oh, wait a second. We don't have uh, on file who your beneficiary is. Hi, honey. Uh, (laughs) I told her this already. You know, we don't have file. And I was like, well, we better take care of that quickly. So I 
printed out the paper, and I, had, I said to Meg last night, you need to sign this, and she said, what am I signing? Uh, after 27 years of marriage, she's asking me, what am I signing? And uh, I said, it's a piece of paper that says, if I die, you get everything. And she said, I'll sign that. I'm glad. <laughs> I'll sign that. Right. Well, you know something? Uh, in the lifeblood of the Son of God, God has written the inheritance. But it's not only what he's done, it's when he did it. Listen to this. In him we have obtained. Is that present or past tense? Obtained. Past tense. In him we have obtained. That's pretty basic stuff, right? Uh, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works out all things, the counsel of his own. What it's basically saying is this. The paperwork was done back in eternity. Before you ever were born, before you ever knew God, the paperwork was already done. This is how sure the inheritance is that God has given to his children. Now, I think there's a few things uh, that show us whether we believe this. There's a few evidences. And let me just mention three quickly. First of all, hope. It results in hope. If you heard that passage read in Peter, you notice that he uses the words of hope and inheritance interchangeably. Hope and inheritance are interchangeable in that Peter passage. Uh, my, my dad didn't give me lots of sort of uh, wisdom. Well, he, no, that, that didn't sound good. You know, he gave me lots by his life, but he didn't speak a lot. Of it. But one day, I'll never forget, he said to me, and I think I've shared this once before. He said, son, as much as you can, stay out of debt because it's terrible. And I don't know his whole story, but my sense is he was in debt at some point. Right? Now, these days, it's impossible to not be in debt to some degree. But if you know debt, whether it's, you know, the credit card debt you have or student loan, you know, if you think about it too long, it weighs heavy. It's like having a flat tire of hope. It just takes the hope away for the future. You just sit there and go, you know, is there ever going to be a time where I'm out from under this and I can move forward? And you know something? I I do believe that God provides for his children here and now. I have seen him do it in my own life, even with respect to debt. I do believe he does that. But even if you and I don't get rid of all the debts before we die... Our hope is not attached to that because one day you will arise in the new life and there ain't going to be any more debt. There's only going to be things in the plus column for you. And so one of the evidences that you and I really believe that is that we have hope even now. Hope amidst the things that we face. The second thing, it's not just hope, but focus. This morning I was reading the passage in the Old Testament about Jacob and Esau. Some of you know that story, some of you don't. Two brothers that were born, uh, very different. But uh, Esau was the firstborn in those days. That meant you got the inheritance, you got the blessing. But he was a guy that was like instant gratification Esau. I can really relate to him. I'm that sort of guy. Instant gratification. I'm too earthly for my own good. So Esau comes in from hunting one day. He's famished. And his brother sort of, he says, give me some of the soup you made. And Jacob says, uh, give me your birthright. 
And Esau's flipping about it. Whether he thought he really was going to lose it or not, he's flipping about it. And the Bible says he despised his birthright. You see, when you and I, when our focus is um, the standard of living or the 401k or, the, you know, it's, it's the here and now, we're actually despising our birthright. We're despising a heavenly inheritance that God has given to us. One of the things you find, one of the tests of sincerity that God gives is he will make us wait on promises fulfilled. Now, if you go to Hebrews chapter 11, you will read what's often called the Faith Hall of Fame. List all these people that are heroes in the faith. But you come, you know, all these things, the way they persevered through persecution and death, everybody from Abraham, Samson, it just goes right down the line. But this is the last verse in that passage. Here's what it says. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. They didn't receive it. They didn't receive it. You know, some promises of God are like bonds that mature at a later date. For instance, the promise that the Messiah would come. The people in the Old Testament didn't get to see that promise come to maturity, but you and I have. The Christ has come. And so sometimes the fact that God delays the inheritance for you and I is a test of sincerity. But there's another beautiful reason why it goes on to say he does this. That the main reason why he delayed on the promise is because it wasn't just my inheritance or his inheritance, it's our inheritance. He wanted all of us to come into that inheritance at the same time, at the end. And it totally blows up our view of how we think about stuff. I mean, it, it may be in this life, you get to have a foretaste of that heavenly inheritance in ways that I don't. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's um, health. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's kids. Some of us will taste it in other ways, others won't. But when I realize it's a corporate in, uh, inheritance, it helps me not to envy you or get bitter. Because what's yours is mine and what's mine is yours because we are a family. And the inheritance comes together. And in that, we understand that it, it really proves our sonship and daughtership. I don't know if you caught the end of the phrase. I'll read it to you in Romans 8 where it says... We are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him. Suffer with him. You know, there's a stat that says one-third of people, when they receive an inheritance, within two years it's not only gone, but their bank balance is in the negative. They were ill-equipped to handle the inheritance. You and I are ill-equipped to handle the inheritance of God, and one of the ways he equips us is through suffering through struggling. But lastly, the third one, it's not just hope and focus, it's contentment. America, American culture will make you feel sinful for being content. If you're content, you know, the, you feel like the, the word to you is you're lazy. You know, you're not pushing ahead with your goals. You're settling. You're falling behind. Or you're missing out. But the psalmist says... The lines have fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a goodly heritage. 
It's this ability, even now, to be able to look out on what God has given you, the the foretaste of the inheritance, and say, thank you. Are you able to do that? What if your resume stays the same, your standard of living stays the same, the friendships you have basically stay the same, your station in life stays the same, will you be able to say, I have a goodly heritage. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. The reason you can say that is because you understand it doesn't all come now. That's why it's called an inheritance. But I want to close with what do we inherit? I was reading an article in The Guardian that was talking about uh, 10 of the strangest wills. 10 of the strangest wills. You know, I'm not going to mention all 10, but one of them was a comedian, Jack Benny, had a, a flower, a rose, delivered to his wife every day. So he died, and every day he, gave, he had a rose delivered. Now, in the article, they said, I can't decide if that's endearing or creepy, you know? <laughs> I guess it depends if she remarried, you know? It would be a little, <laughs> little weird. Uh, a Portuguese aristocrat picked 70 random names in the phone book, and his entire wealth went to them. One person made the inheritance accessible only after 28 years after his last descendant died. Didn't want to give him a thing. And then uh, Leona Helms, Helmsley, the hotel heiress, um, she left $12 million to her Maltese dog, Trouble. None to her grandchildren. Now, a judge decided he was going to strike it down to $2 million for the dog. But even after that, they had to put the dog in hiding because people sought to kidnap it or kill it, right? They wanted the inheritance. You know, be glad that the reading of God's will isn't going to be like that. You're not going to get to heaven, and, you know, and they're going to come to you and go, and for you, you know... You get to spend eternity, you know, it's not going to be like that. God tells us ahead of time some of the things that we're going to inherit. Let me move from quickly. One, the promise to inherit the world. Anybody interested in having the world for their inheritance? And by world, what we mean is that uh, God will make everything that exists serve your benefit. This is what he promises those that believe in him. That's where you get those lines, portion, lot, lines, inheritance. The way God tried to give Israel a taste of that were the land allotments. When we read those portions of scripture many times, you know, we just sort of yawn and get bored. But I'll tell you, if you read those portions of scripture and in your mind substitute my inheritance, my inheritance, my inheritance, you start to go, man, I'm glad God spilled so much ink on this issue. In Romans chapter 4, it says the promise of Abraham and to his descendants, those that believe, is that they inherit the world. Jesus would go on in his Beatitudes to say the meek shall inherit the earth. The earth is theirs and the fullness thereof. You know, what, what I love about this is this. You know, the Bible doesn't just teach when you, at the end, we'll go up to heaven, right? It's a new heavens and a new earth. Very important. Uh, Very important. It's a new heavens and new earth. Because you and I are human and because you and I, you know, we we want to touch, we want to see. There's beautiful things about this earth. There's lovely things about this earth. And we're told that we'll enjoy them all for eternity. 
You might not have your dream job or your dream lot or your dream home in this earth, but just wait on. Because you will. You will use your gifts. You will enjoy the glory of the earth. This is what God has promised for those that believe in him. The second thing is the promise is to inherit a glorified or perfected body. Um, you know, the truth is we could not, inha- we could not there, let me put it this way. Uh, there are some places that you can't be fit to go. Like maybe you want to go to this really high mountain peak, but the truth is you don't have the body to handle it. You don't have the body to see that glory, right? You can either die on the way up or the way down, or you're not going to be able, right? You get the point. You and I do not have the body right now to take in God's inheritance. C.S. Lewis does this in a really creative way in The Great Divorce, where, you know, it's a story about a bus ride to heaven, and these people go on a bus up to heaven, and one of the things that happens is when they walk on the grass, it hurts their feet because the grass is so substantial. Heaven is so substantial. You and I will need a glorified body to enjoy this inheritance because it's going to be so great and so robust. Thirdly, we inherit honor. Isaiah says, you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. We spend so much time, a lot of time, more than we care to realize, trying to garner honor for ourselves. Whether it's Monday through Friday at work, or in some conversation where we have to be right, Right? Just clasping for honor. And God says, to those that exalt themselves, they will be humbled. But for those that humble themselves, they will be exalted. This is part of the inheritance. Fourth, two more. The promise to inherit knowledge. That doesn't mean we're going to be omniscient, but you you and I are going to finally have peace with our questions. Someone asked me last week, just a wonderful question. They said, you know, Glenn, how do we reconcile these promises you know, where God promises protection or provision when my life experienced something else. You know, a child that's abused or someone that, you know, bear, scraped together what they could eat. We have questions about these promises and delayed promises. But in heaven, perfect knowledge means you will know everything God knew when he was making those decisions. And lastly, and most importantly, The promise to inherit intimacy. The promise to inherit intimacy. There are many people that inherit vast sums of money when the thing that they really would have loved to inherit would have been intimacy with their father or their grandmother. I talked about some of those crazy wills. You know what those crazy wills are evidence of? Broken people and broken relationships. The hunger for intimacy. I've watched a couple episodes of this show, Yellowstone, um, and uh, Kevin Costner is in it. He plays this uh, powerful, rich rancher in Montana who has such a broken family. And he basically manipulates his adult children to, to, to sort of save his empire. And uh, his, uh, his daughter, it really takes a toll on her. She's actually the toughest out of them all. And it takes a toll on her. And, um, you know, the elder brother has a moment of compassion, which is rare. And he says, why don't you let me do what she should do? And the father says, because she can be evil and I need evil right now. You know? So this is what things are like. 
And at one point, she sees him reading a book to his grandchild as he's trying to start over, and she just goes in a room and just screams. And later that night, the father kneels down by the fire, and you can see he's just broken by his life, and he has a wad of money, and he's just throwing it into the fire. Because the inheritance without intimacy means nothing. All the things that we try to substitute for intimacy... I mentioned Psalm 73, and if you struggle with this stuff, read that psalm because it's so God-honest and so wonderful that, you know, God has a, a Levite priest. And by the way, priests didn't get land. They didn't get allotment. So this is a guy that's like, I don't even get the land the Israelites get. He's saying, I look all around me. Everybody else is doing better than me. He goes through this transformation, and then this is where he lands. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. It's intimacy. And this is what everybody in this room really wants for their inheritance. So in closing, I want to ask you, if you are a professing believer, a Christian, do you have any idea how wealthy you are? No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And if that's so, how will that make you different this week? Believing that inheritance this week, how will you live tomorrow differently? Let's pray God helps us to be that way. So we then can be generous to one another, and generous to our neighbors in this city. Let's pray. God, we thank you for being such a generous God, the riches of your glory. Lord, would you give us eyes to see, ears to hear what you have given to us. I pray that for everybody here. I pray that you would help us comprehend our spiritual inheritance. In Christ's name, amen.